I, uh, I got to share something. Uh, I was praying this morning. I usually get up early on Sundays and prepare for the day. And um, this one's a, a bit sobering, what I need to share, but I can't get off the hook on sharing this one. Um, I was praying uh, really early this morning and um, upstairs in my home, preparing, like I said, and the word of the Lord came to me. I don't know who this is, but once I speak this out, if it's you, you know it's you. And my encouragement, don't ignore this. Don't ignore what I'm about to say. Listen, um, there's a person here. It seems to be a younger person rather than old. It seems to be a female. Now, this is a word of knowledge, by the way. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks. He doesn't usually tell me who it is, and I don't know who this is, but you're involved in something in a relationship that if you don't deal with this forthrightly, I'm just going to tell you what I sensed and let you be the judge. Uh, it could cost you your life. So the people you hang out with is what you become. And if you hang out with the wrong people, you'll go to the wrong place with them. And you couldn't end up in the lake of fire with them. But this one, if you do this one wrong, it could cost you your physical life. Now, I don't like to say that, and that's a challenge for me to say it, but I know what I heard, and I can't get off the hook the whole time we had worship. He said, don't you forget. I said, I got it. So I can't even speak and minister before I say this. You know, when God speaks, you need to listen. You know, I was on a plane February 29th. It's part of my message. Why am I sharing this now? 2004. And my stomach hurt real bad. I've heard, shared this before. I didn't know it unbeknownst to me. And I know how to believe God for healing. But the further I went, the worse I felt. And, and I was on the way to Calcutta, India, Kathmandu, Nepal, secondly. And the uh, first leg of the journey was on a Delta flight from uh, Raleigh to Atlanta, Georgia, and then British Airways to London, England, then from London, England to Calcutta, India. It's cool Kata now. They went back to the old names. But <clears throat> I was on the plane, and I was just believing God with everything in me. I'd never started a trip like that because it was a couple of weeks' trip, hurting like I did. And, uh, and it had been going on for not quite 24 hours. But, you know, I'm a man of faith, man of God. Let's go. I'm, I'm ready for it. And uh, while, I was, while I was sitting on the plane, I heard, wasn't audible right here, just like I heard this this morning. That's the reason I'm sharing it. Uh, I heard that don't get on the next plane till you know what's the matter with you. And it was in such a tone that I knew that if I disobeyed, it, it, I could die. And so long, sh short of it was one step off the plane, I told the attendant, I'm in trouble, I need help. And she whisked me off in a wheelchair to a triage place and then they took me to a hospital where I had an emergency appendectomy. My appendix had burst, and I didn't know it. My mother's a praying woman. She told me, Mitch, God kept speaking to me after their surgery. I called her the next day, said, um, said well, let me tell you what's happening. She, and all she said was, Mitch, because that's what she says when something astounds her, Mitch, Mitch. I said, what is it? She said, uh, you know, all I could pray for you was, Lord, don't let him get on that plane for the last several weeks. 
And I said, well, that's exactly what God said to me. Don't get on the plane. So I stayed in the hospital for nine days. Uh, they gave me five antibiotics. And the doctor, God bless her, uh, told me, said, you know, if you'd have lived 100 years ago, you'd be dead right now. I said, well, thank you for telling me. That's very encouraging. <laughs> so I'm glad it's today and not 100 years ago. You know, so. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, anyway, it was really a serious thing. And I was in the hospital, like I said, for nine days overcoming sepsis. It got all into my abdomen. It's terrible. Don't, I don't, well, it's terrible. So I lost about 20 pounds in nine days. And, uh, I got home and I always got, Mom, I'm home. She was living in another city. Mom, I'm home. And here's what she said. She said, Mitch, I didn't tell you the other part of this. I said, what? She said, well, if you'd have disobeyed the voice of the Lord, and she paused. She said, um, they would have brought you home in a body bag. So when God speaks something, you need to hear what he's saying. You hear me? So I don't know who that's for today. See, that's not my business. That's yours. But if that fits you, you listen. You listen. I've had so many people sit in my office particularly younger people who, you know, when you're young, you got the world by the tail, so to speak, and you think you know more than you really do. You find out as you age, you didn't know quite so much. <laughs> and maybe daddy wasn't as stupid as you thought he was. And maybe mom was a little wiser than you thought she, you know. All of us go through all that, you know. But, um, but it pays to obey God in his voice. And he's speaking to us today. I would further say, you know, if you have an impression inside right now about anything in life, with your finances, with your health, with your marriage, with your relationships, with your children, first thing you do is pray about it. And say, God, what are you saying to me? You say, well, how does God, I'm trying to get to my message, but I promise you I'm going this way. Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you. In the way you should go, I will guide you with my eye. Then it says, don't be as the horse or the mule that must be guided by bit and bridle. Don't have to be forced. Listen ahead of time. How many here hear me? <laughs> Hallelujah. I got so many things rolling around. What do I do with this? Now I'm in a pickle. Which way do I go, Lord? Now's a real important day to hear the voice of God and listen to what he's saying. In fact, this seems to come to me. This is uh, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3. And hang on while I tune up this Bible right here. It is right here. Verse 3, roll your works. This is amplified. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly or completely to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. Now, isn't that amazing? Did you hear that? He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable with his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Isn't that amazing? You know, I've had times in life where God led me to do something and I didn't want to do it. I've been in places that seemed like I was out of place, but it was the very place God had for me. I didn't understand it. You know, I, I mentioned this. 
y'all, I got to go with this. Is that all right? I just have to share. I, um, you know, I was 30 years old. I started, first time I started at a church, I'd been <clears throat> on staff at a church. I'd talk about it in Tulsa for six years. And I was, uh, you know, did personal ministry for the pastor and had 120 people helping me do all kinds of things. And so I, that was my kind of apprenticeship in ministry. Then I, I, uh, I um, started a church in a small town in South Carolina. It's probably the most difficult thing uh, at the time that I'd ever personally done. <clears throat> and it was a big challenge to go to a place I didn't know. Nobody knew me. I had no personal friends there. I met a person there who had a Bible study, wanted to turn it into a church. Uh, and so, you know, um, uh, after I had gone on a vacation in Susan, I went to that city. The person had made contact with me. I went and visited them. And it seemed like the voice of the Lord to me was, go here. It didn't make any sense for me to go to that small town. That town had 6,000 people in it. The church I was in had 5,000. So everything about that whole thing was a mess to me. It didn't make sense. And, um, you know, in my counseling days, I did personal ministry, like I said. And Masters and Johnson has a stress test, a stress list of stressors in life, just mentioning anything in life you can imagine that can happen to you. Well, I maxed out their chart. If you had, you know, if you added up and you got so many, you know, the number's so high, then you, your, your, your stress is off the chart and you need to do something with your life or, or something bad is going to happen to you. So I looked on that stress. I took that thing out. I started the church. It was really difficult. If you want to see how much faith you have, start a church in a place that nobody knows you. And it's not a denominational church. Yeah, do that. I dare you to do it. And at the time, we didn't have church planters like we do now. You just kind of, well, that's what God's saying. Here we go. And, you know, you're, 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 you're like the people that settled the West. You're, at, you're on your horse. You got your stuff with you, and you're moving. So that's what I did. And it was uh, really hard, very difficult. Um, I look back on it now, um, and, and many times I wondered, Lord, why on earth did you have me go there and do that thing? It was so difficult as a 30-year-old 30, a 30 with two children and one almost ready to be born. Susan was six months present, pregnant when we moved to that city. We had another baby, child number three, December um, 8th, uh, 1988. And so insult to injury was, we're busy. I mean, if you got kids, you know how busy it is with two. Then you add another one to the mix. Come on. And eventually had another one. But, but we were busy. I was starting a church, yada, yada, all the stuff that goes with that. It was just difficult. But let me tell you what God did. Sometimes, uh, sometimes when God leads you to do something, it doesn't make sense at the moment. But you know he's leading you to do something. And that's the way it was with me there. When I look back on that experience of my life, I've got to tell you God is smarter than me. And I wouldn't be able to do what we're doing now had I not been there. Hardship. Pressure. Difficulty. Challenge. Has a way of um, working God's word into your life if you'll let him do it. And then bringing to the surface the impurities. You know, if you want pure metals, I got a gold ring from Susan on my hand. Well, I don't know, it's probably, well, I don't know, 18, 20 carats or so. But the purer the metal, the more dross comes to the surface. You heat metal. And when you heat it, the dross comes to the surface, right? The impurities come. 
And that's what happens in a test, in a trial. If I hadn't have gone through that time, and as I look back on my life, those years I was starting that church in that small town in South Carolina, it was probably some of the most difficult years of my life, but the most productive years because it forced me to deal with things in my life I wouldn't have dealt with. It forced me to deal with pride. It forced me to deal with obsessive compulsiveness because I wanted it now. And ain't nothing happening now in a town of 6,000 people. It forced, I say it forced, I could have given in and say no. In fact, when I got there, the pastor of the church I was from, I was on his staff for six years. He called me one day and he said, Mitch, um, I'll tell you what, I'll have you back on my staff in a heartbeat. And I, he was, you know, he's 1,200 miles away. I said, don't you dangle that carrot in front of me. I might bite it. I said, no. They were still paying the health insurance. That's the way we had the baby when I first got there. Cobra, you know. And uh, anyway, it was a real challenging time. Look back on it now. I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give $10 million. I, somebody say, $10 million if you don't go through that. Keep your money. No. It's worth more than any money can provide me right now because it honed my character and developed in me. It's hard to say that uh, a love for Jesus. Do you know you can be a professional Christian? Do you know you can be a professional pastor? Do you hear me? You can be a professional singer. But it's a whole lot different when God grabs your heart. And you do what you do because you love him. And something happened during those years I was there. It was very difficult. But God grabbed my heart. And I, uh, I come back to him over and over again and say, God, you know, I uh, for a long time didn't understand why on earth you had me take that detour and go over there and have that hardship and cry those tears. And wonder how I'm going to make it. And feel my, like my life is over. At one point there, I literally wanted to end my life. Because it seemed like ending my life was easier than going through what, I'm, what I was going through. And you may, some of you may feel that way today. It's never the will of God for you to take your own life. That's called self-murder. That's what suicide is. But I thought it. I mean, I thought it. I thought it. How could, how, and then I thought, well, how can I do it without it hurting and then I thought, well, what if I do it and it don't work? And then I'm, you know, paralyzed the rest of my life. Yeah, you get all kinds of, you know. Now I see what he was doing. Um, Why I'm going this way. So, so you need to take what I'm saying to heart. You may be in a hard place right now. It may be the best place for you. Because that very place will force you. Just the circumstance, because you can't do it on your own. You don't have the answers. You don't have the ability. You don't have the skill. You don't have the wisdom. And you got to cry out. That seemed like an awful place. It's the best place you'll ever be. I was a professional. I, hate to t I don't even like to say it. I don't think I've ever said it like this, but it was almost as though as a 30-year-old boy, I was a professional at what I did because I'd been to Bible school. I'd been on staff at a church. thought I knew my stuff. I could carry myself well. 
I was polished and all that. But there was an element missing. It was during that time that God placed in me a desire to love him, to be with him, and to love his word. Even if I didn't have anything I wanted, just to have him meant more than anything in the world. How many hear what I'm saying? You may be in a hard place right now, but in that hard place, I'm going to tell you, if you'll seek, you'll find God. The prophet Jeremiah said it perhaps best, Jeremiah 29, 13, it'll come to pass that you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Sometimes you won't search the way you need to until the pressure's on. Some people might be disciplined enough to do it, but for a lot of us, pressure's got to be on. You say, God, what do I do? I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Don't have the answers. When you get to that point and you pour your heart out to him, something amazing happens. How many hear me? There's a scripture. See, I didn't know I was going to share all this. Listen, I just... I just put this up on my iPad. Listen to Isaiah 29. Listen, I took a walk yesterday listening to Isaiah. Isaiah's a wonderful prophet. And he's talking about today and a lot of those things. But he said, Isaiah 29, 13. So the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips. This is New Living Translation. But their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. I don't think anybody's here because because you just want to appease God and just be at church on Sunday. Now is the day that what we have has to be translated into life. That is our relationship with Jesus. It's got to be translated into personal life. You've got to put shoe leather on it. Because we're going into an era of time. You know, that was a prophecy for those that don't know. I prophesy. Prophecies inspired utterance, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not inspired like the scriptures are, but things that God will say to you in line with God, with his own word. And inspired by the Holy Spirit, prompted by the Holy Spirit was what I mean by inspired. And I keep hearing that over and over in my journal. I keep hearing that darkness is coming. And then in my research as I listen and um Read between the lines. We've got some very difficult days ahead in this nation. I don't like to say those things. I'm primarily an extremely positive person, but I have to tell you what I sense. People are not ready for what's coming. But if you'll hone your relationship with Jesus now, you can be prepared for what is coming. How many hear me? The number one thing, and this is, I started, and here's the whole reason I went there. I just saw it. When I was having that hard time in that small town in South Carolina starting a church and I just wanted to end my life so badly and I was sitting on the bed, Susan was working, my, uh, all my children, all three were uh, uh, in school. Jessica, my youngest, was in daycare and Susan was working. And uh, I was on the, at home sitting on the bed just thinking, God, I'm tired of living. I can't do it. The pressure. How many know pressure will affect you? Uh, pressure can daze you where you're not thinking properly. 
And you know, if you're thinking about harming yourself, you're not thinking properly. Now, right when I said that, if you're a young person, you've been cutting yourself, you've got emotional trauma somewhere. And you're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to overcome the hurt, the pain. That's not the way to do it. Demons will get a hold of that and ruin your life. You take that pain to Jesus. Say, God, I hurt. I was sitting on my bed that morning. It was, I don't remember what day of the week it was. But I was thinking, God, I'm tired of living. This is too much pressure for me. As a, as a, I was 32 at the time, 32-year-old boy. I don't know what to do. All my life seems like my best days are behind me. My best things I've ever done are behind me. The things that, that, that I was doing were, to me, just amazing. I, I didn't know I could do it. But I t- you took me from there, from, from a big place, a big church, a big city to a small place. Nothing's happening. I'm disillusioned and disappointed. I'm frustrated, and I don't know what to do. You ever been there? And uh, I'll never forget. I was sitting on the bed, and God said, and it was a rough voice. If you think God's going to be sentimental with you, think again. Get up. So, just all, you know, I was crying. <laughs> God said, we admit you, it's going to be all right. No, he said, get up. <laughs> Startled me. Inside, get up. And then I heard, you take your Bible. You go outside. I had 10 oak trees in my backyard. We bought a house, fixed it up. It was a fixer-upper. I don't recommend a fixer-upper you got to live in for a long time. It tested my marriage, tested my kids, tested me. Mm-hmm. But we got it done. Anyway, get up, take your Bible. And I went outside. Everybody okay? And then he said, I want you to start reading. And I started reading scripture and I turned through the Psalms. God is our refuge and fortress a very present help in time of trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And then he just took me through the word, said, Mitch, my word will take you through what you're dealing with. Instead of paying attention to your problems and what you don't have, start looking at what you do have. You got me. And I started walking back and forth in the yard. He just took me through series, scripture after scripture after scripture, that showed me, nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us us all. How shall they not with him also freely give us all things? It's God, it's God who, who has called us, right? And it just went on and on, and he showed me the value of his word, the thing that got me out of that hard place. Y'all okay? I feel like I'm low-key. Is this helping you? Um, The thing that got me out of that was the Word. And ever since then, there's just something about God and His Word. I know if I'm having a tough time, I go to His Word. So my point today, and I didn't even get to my notes, was if you're going to walk by faith, you've got to be a person of the Word because God will help you apply the Word in your hard places in life. Did you hear me? And whatever that wall of darkness, I keep hearing it uh, 
uh, in my prayer times in various ways. It's in my journal a number of times. Uh, we've got some dark days ahead. I don't know what that means or how bad or foreboding it seems, but it, it seems like it's not great, but he keeps encouraging us to look at him and to not look at the negative, look at the positive, look what he's doing through us. There's one more harvest of souls before Jesus comes back. And he wants you to be ready for it. How many hear me? So the greatest days, if you look at it one way, are ahead of us. Your greatest days are ahead of you. If you look at it in the flesh, if all you do is like to go fishing on the weekend, lay on the beach, get you a suntan, drink your favorite beverage, and that's all you like to do in your spare moments, you're going to get really, really, you're going to get stiffed. Uh, what's another way to say it? Um, you're going to get backhanded. Uh, you're going to be upset. You're going to be disillusioned. And there are many people in our future that will end up taking their lives because they can't handle the pressure. I'm talking about in the, in the culture in general. Did you hear what I just said? I don't know when all these things will transpire, and I hope they don't, and I hope I'm completely wrong, but that's what I sense inside. I just know it's preparation time. So let me tell you what God did for me many, many years ago. And so when I got in the middle of this, when I was 32 years old and, you know, 30 years old starting that church and then 32 wanted to, you know, end it all. I was just trying to figure out how to do it where I, I could really do it. And, you know, then I realized, my, my gosh, there's no guarantee if you take your life, you're going to heaven. If you know what you're doing and do it, that's a bad idea. Somebody said it's like going from the frying pan into the fire. Having said that, you can have a mental problem if you don't know what you're doing. I think God will have mercy on you. How many hear me? But during those times, the thing that helped me the most is something I put inside of me. And I started doing it many years prior. I started memorizing Scripture. How many know if you're going to walk by faith, faith in God's faith in His Word? Yes or no? He said, well, I've got a lot of faith. Well, so what kind of word do you have in you? Well, I've got faith that can move a mountain. Well, what scripture do you have? Well, I can't think of any right now. You can't even move, a, you can't even move an anthill then. No. Faith in God's faith in his word. So years ago, I started memorizing scripture, and then I, have, I still do it. In fact, I woke up last night, I think it was 2.20. And every night, I'll either wake up at 2.20, the last night was 2.20, 2.30, 3 o'clock. And when I wake up, I'll just meditate on Scripture, and here's what I normally do. Now, I've got uh, notes on the website, <laughs> and uh, on the bottom of the notes, uh, y'all just wait a minute. Could you just worship God a minute? Lord, there is a hunger that people need for you. I pray. Lord, I pray for those listening and those in the room. If the things of this life have gotten in the way of Jesus, I'm asking you. Let the conviction of the Holy Ghost fall. on that person until regardless of who they're with, what they're doing, how much they're laughing, joking, carrying on and doing things they know they shouldn't do. In the background, there's a presence 
in the pr- pr- background, there's like a, a finger saying, come, come, come away with me. I pray for every person watching online, any person in the room. There's a young person. You've, you're being baited by Satan, and you've got friends who don't care about God, and you're following them. This is separate from what I said earlier. And if you keep following them, you're going to get further and further away from God. And you won't even want him one day. So, Father, draw us. Draw every person in this room in Jesus' name. I pray for the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Everybody okay? This feels so strange to me. I had a guy sitting in my office many years ago in the other building, and he came to our services and he said, I passed, and he was a former military person. And he was sitting on the couch, I was sitting in a chair, and he said, <clears throat> he said, um, you know, every time I come to your church, I just feel awful. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, y'all praising, you know, singing. Then you're up there preaching. He said, when you preach, I feel awful. I said, what do you mean by awful? He said, I just feel ill discontent. I feel like something's wrong with me. I feel, con- I feel condemned. I, well, at first I thought, man, what am I doing now? Immediately I saw it. You know, when God deals with you, you're not going to feel comfortable if you're not living right. If you can do wrong and feel good about it, you're in a really bad place. You're deceived. How many hear what I just said? But if you can do something following the crowd, there's somebody, I don't know who you are, you're following a crowd, and you're doing what your morals tell you are wrong, and you're, you're doing what your heart tells you you shouldn't be. You're in places you shouldn't be. I, I, I'm talking to somebody here, but you're neglecting your conscience. And every time you neglect it, you're hitting it. And it's becoming harder and harder and harder and harder. During Moses' day, God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. And he's speaking that way today. People are purposely rebelling against what they know is right because they want to do what they want to do. My friend, that will harden your heart towards God. Glory to God. There's something about God. If you have a tender heart, he will walk with you and help you. How many hear me? Does anybody get anything out of this? This feels so weird to me. I've got several directions I could go here. And I feel like I need to go kind of slow. I'm usually fast. So this feels kind of strange. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Hebrews 3.13. We need to listen to these things. How many hear me? We're in an age that anything goes. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it. And I want, I want everybody to tell me it's okay. And if you don't tell me it's okay, then you don't love me. Is that today? 
The enemy is after the younger people in our, in, our, in our nation. And he's wanting you to feel like life revolves around you. And that you deserve this and you deserve that. No, no. What, you know what we deserve? We deserve hell. We deserve judgment, but Jesus Christ gave us peace. He gave, gave us hope. He gave us life. He gave us forgiveness because of who he is and what, he, and what he's done. How many hear me? A lot of people don't know why we as believers worship Jesus. And then if you go to school, go to college, they're going to they worm that right out of you, telling you that's a bunch of bull, malarkey, baloney, who we, you, you fill in the adjective. You hear what I'm saying? But y'all today, here's what I found out. I'm going to summarize this and stop. God always does what he says. And you can count on God doing what he said. If you'll fill yourself with God's word, then when you have a need and when you come up against a challenge, God's word will talk to you. So let me tell you what's in my heart. Tonight, last night, about 2.20, I, I do this every day at some point. These scriptures come to me. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. It's in your notes on, online on the very end. I put them there last night. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? Isaiah 84, 11, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 89, 34, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 138, 2, I will worship towards your holy temple and Praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you've magnified your word even above all of your name. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return void, empty, useless, other translations say, but it will accomplish that which I please. And it, my word, will prosper in the thing whereto I send it. That means he'll do what he said. Jeremiah 1.12, I hasten, or one translation says, I watch over my word to perform it. You know the word watch over my word? It's the word for the almond tree in the Hebrew. The almond tree is the first tree to bud in the spring. I was in uh, Israel in 2012, and you know, we had a guide, a Jewish guide. She wasn't a Christian, but she was a Jewish person. And we were going along, and she mentioned that very scripture, Jeremiah one twelve. And she mentioned the almond tree. And I already knew what she was going to say because I'd looked it up before. See, when God says, I watch over my word to perform, that's the first thing. See, if you'll put God's word first thing in your life, he'll do something for you. Jesus said, Matthew twenty four thirty five, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. So regardless of what's coming in life, you put God's word first in your life, it'll do something for you. How many hear me? I, I could get started on my notes, but I gotta stop right there. Maybe I'll start that up next time. I have no idea what I'll do second service. But Lord, I just take a moment here and I pray. I pray for every person that's going through a test, a trial, a tough place, a challenge in the name of Jesus.
Lord, you have a way of getting our attention when we're, when we're, our back's against the wall. I pray, Lord, for those whose backs are against the wall, that what you did, not the way you did with me, but you spoke to me when I was in the toughest place in my life. I ask you to speak so that each individual can hear you. In Jesus' name. Let us not throw aside the voice of the Lord. Let us not throw aside the conviction of God. Lord, I pray for the younger people in the room and that are watching. Oh, dear Father, so many divisive things, so many, so many things that take time and that steer us away from the supernatural power of God. There's so many fleshly things, I pray. I pray that they would be, uh, that they would be moved away from that in Jesus' name into a, a deeper dimension of fellowship with God in Jesus' name. I hear the Lord saying to somebody, you need to come back to your first love. You're a young person. I don't know who you're with or what you're doing, but you know, you've known the Lord in your past, but you've gotten away from him. And God's saying, come back. Come back now before the stuff hits the fan because there's going to come a time in life that you're going to need him more than you ever have. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody. How many hear me? There's many struggling with marriage right now. Look, if you, if you get into pornography and adultery, you're going to get into a place that the enemy can get such a toehold in your life that you can't see up for, for down. You mess up this marriage, you'll never have another settled one. I don't know. Who, you know, I get in this realm, it's just there. How many hear me? If you're married, stay married. I don't like him. I don't care. God doesn't care about what you feel. He cares about you doing the right thing. I've been married, how many, 40? Oh, boy, I better get this one right. 43 years, September 22nd. <clears throat> and uh, do you think that I felt love for Susan every second of every hour of every minute of every day for 43 years? Now, sometimes she wanted to strangle me. And I might have, might have thought about, you know, <laughs> being aggravated with her. And so I started praying for her. And I started saying, God, change me. What do I need to change? So there's some real, I feel the frustration in the room with marriage. You're never going to be satisfied if all you're looking at is what you need. You'll never be satisfied. Now, you will be satisfied if you look to Jesus and love the other person the way he's calling you to love them, even if they're not meeting your needs. How many hear me? Now, I've been through some seasons. I can tell you some stuff. The decades of life yeah, they're revealing. I said to Susan, we were in bed last night. I reached over and I grabbed her hand and I just said, um, I love you. She squeezed me and I said, I love you too. I said, it's good to be at our age and feel that way. So I'm talking to somebody. Don't, don't entertain the thought to leave your spouse. It's demonic. Now, if he's beating you over the head, 
and he's whooping you and leaving whelps on you, leave him. I'm not saying that. You get that? In fact, come and see you. If I'm your pastor, come and see us. All right? But love that person. I'm talking about you just not getting along. I'm not talking about somebody that is violating you in that kind of way. You understand? I'm not talking about abuse, that kind. But I'm telling you, I, 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 I hear, I sense it in the atmosphere. You need to love your spouse when you don't feel like you do. How many hear what I just said? In our culture, it's all about the flesh right now. And you know what? You'll never satisfy the flesh. You'll never satisfy your flesh. You give into the flesh, it wants more. Give me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more. You'll never be satisfied. How many hear me? Yeah. Yeah, the only satisfaction is in God. It was in my notes. I just didn't get to it, John 16, 33. <laughs> These things have I spoken to you, Jesus said, that in me you will find peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. The Greek word there is thlipsis. And it's really, a, a, if you had a picture for that word, it's a picture of somebody with a big boulder in their hand and you're laying somebody down flat on the ground and they got the boulder and it's sitting the boulder right on their lungs, on their chest. And they're trying to breathe, so they're breathing a, and it's pushing the breath out. That's that word tribulation, philipsis. Go look it up. It's interesting. It means the pressure's there. You can't hardly breathe. You get it? Life is that way sometimes. That's why we got to keep our focus on singularly on Jesus and his word. How many hear what I just said? So don't let yourself get out of focus. If you're single, listen, if you're single, see, I, I got to stop. I keep feeling this stuff. If you're single, pursue God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Because you hook up with the wrong person, I'm going to tell you right now. Hell on wheels has just landed at your, your place. You hear me? When I was a single man, I was all kind of little girls I could have dated. But I kept hearing, mm -mm, mm -mm. if you hear the mm -mm, better listen. <laughs> you know, you heard the adage, all that glitters isn't gold. All, that purdy, all that's pretty on the outside might not be pretty on the inside. Almost married a girl one time. I thought she was the most beautiful girl that had ever, ever been born. And she fit me to it. I thought she was just my girl. And my mama came up to me one day, and I was 16. And I had bought this girl a diamond. I was going to give it to her and, and get engaged to her and marry her. And my mama came up to me. I'm talking nose to nose. Mom, I know you're watching. You remember this? Nose to nose, mouth to mouth, chin to chin. Mitch, I'm praying y'all apart. Now, I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm sorry, Mom. I said, Mom, I hate your guts. And she said, well, I love yours. Did you know that was December of that year? By the next Valentine's Day, my little girl, I thought, hung the moon in the sky, already had somebody else in her driveway. She told me not to come on Valentine's Day. She had another guy. I didn't realize I was about to marry a witch figuratively not specifically <laughs> because she would have controlled my whole life so pretty don't mean a thing you'd rather have somebody ugly that's got a pretty heart 
to have somebody beautiful with an ugly heart. Did you hear me?